This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, July 29th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hartz. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. There may be a snag in negotiations to keep Lollapalooza in Chicago for years to come. That's the focus of our next segment. But right now, the latest measure of inflation is out, along with a reading on consumer sentiment. We're joined once again by Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, economist Andrew Bush.com, based in Chicago. Andy, thanks for joining us today. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index jumped 6.8% in the month of June. That is the biggest 12 month move since it jumped 6.9% in January of 1982. How long ago was that? Uh, we were a month away from the premiere of Late Night with David Letterman. So it's been a long time since we've seen these types of numbers, Andy. How, let's break down the, the causes of inflation. How much of it is food and gas? How much of it is uh, ongoing supply chain snarls? How much of it is wages? And how much of it is uh, sticky now? Well, the, the housing component of this is really important, and that's starting to accelerate. And, and housing and rents those are what we call sticky uh, indicators or sticky price levels because once they go up, it's rare that they come back down. And they haven't been fully priced in really through the CPI or this personal consumption expenditures numbers. It takes a while for that data to feed through. So that's really one of the biggest problems that's out there. We haven't seen home prices really come off a lot, but we know rents have gone up significantly and continue to go up. So that's really sticky when it comes to PCE. I mean, breaking down what all of this, you know, is driving the inflation, you know, you start with the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates at a very, very low level for way too long over a year. You can go back to the additional uh, stimulus spending that we had in the very first year that Joe Biden came into office, $1.5 trillion. Um, we have another $1.2 trillion coming in infrastructure. So that's starting to work its way through. So there's just a lot going at this. And then we have, of course, COVID reopening where, you know, so many people spent money on goods versus services, and that created a lot of bottlenecks. So there's your inflation picture just in a nutshell. On the housing component, uh, is there, could, could one, uh, reasonably conclude that uh, with mortgage rates going higher, the housing market cooling off, that maybe there could be some relief on that front? Or uh, or if, if it was going to happen, we'd see it by now. 
Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to see some softening of that market. But the head of Freddie Mac came out and said recently that we're un- we're four million homes uh, undersupplied into that market. So we got a ways to go, and builders are going to have to build for some time to catch up with that. And and also on the rental side, that's a big problem. We're seeing rents go up, as I said, significantly. So yeah, higher interest rates they'll dent the 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 housing market. And the mortgage application index has has come off significantly. But as far as rents go, that hasn't changed a whole lot. And and there hasn't been a massive amount of new apartment buildings that I've seen uh, anywhere to really ease uh, and help with the supply of those uh, uh, homes. And then very quickly, Andy, when it comes to consumer sentiment, is that also driving inflation as well? That They're going back to the boss's office and saying, look, I need to raise just to keep up with with rising prices and that uh, will perpetuate itself? Yeah, I mean that's one of the biggest fears that the Fed has is is rising wage rising wages that are predicated upon hey I'm not I'm losing money because inflation's running at eight percent and I only got a five percent increase I need more than that so yeah that's another thing that gets sticky as well so once those start getting negotiated in that's a problem the big thing to watch for that is going to be the longshoremen uh, union uh, out in California they're going to negotiate the summer and into the fall we'll see how much they get of an increase. Andy Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, economist at andrewbush.com, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Chicago Park District and the organizers of Lollapalooza are in negotiations for a long-term deal. Let's get the latest now from Greg Hines, columnist for Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Was the future of Lollapalooza in Chicago ever in doubt? I mean, is there another city or cities that are making a play for the festival, knowing that it could be available? Um, Not to my knowledge, Rob. I'm sure that somebody would like to have them. Uh, but uh, Chicago knows it's got a pretty good deal here, and uh, Lollapalooza knows it's got a pretty good deal here. I mean, we're going uh, well into the, the second full decade. We're talking about the third decade. Uh, the uh, My goodness, the hospitality industry in this town, the hotels and restaurants would have a collective cow if, if Lori Lightfoot let this one get away. I think they'll work this out, but like all negotiations, you know, everybody's trying to get the last possible nickel, so there's a little, you know, snapping of feet and jumping down, but I think they'll work this out. How far down the road are they? Uh, I think far enough that they could come up with a deal this weekend. In fact, I'd be a little surprised if they don't come up with a deal this weekend. Um, They're already on a one-year extension. Uh, The previous contract expired. It was renewed for a year. They're talking about a 10-year deal, and I think everybody... Everybody's here. The crowds are here. Everybody knows what they're talking about. I think they want to get this done now. Now, how does the how do the dollars and cents of the Lollapalooza deal, um, as it currently exists, we don't know the financials of a potential extension, but how does this stack up to the uh, the the permit that that you reported on yesterday uh, that uh, NASCAR and the Park District reached for the use of uh, Grant Park for the two weeks leading up to and through the uh, the street race next summer? Um, they're going to uh, use that's the- a really good. <laughs> That's a really good question. I wish I could answer it because the city hasn't released most of the key details. They've released a little bit. What we know is that uh, the NASCAR people have offered to pay the park district a half a million bucks up front, plus two bucks for every ticket they sell, plus a percentage of merchandise sales. Now, tickets, does that mean they're going to put up uh, viewer stands, for instance, uh, and missions uh, uh, to watch the race? Don't know. I haven't said uh, so I can't answer that half of the question of the what's on that half of the, the teeter-totter. On the other half, 
We do know that Lollapalooza pays the participant alone $7.5 million just in rent, and then there's other taxes and fees to other people on top of that. And then uh, there has been a lot of discussion when you, you utilize a Chicago Park District uh, asset, whether it's Grand Park or Lakefront Land or Jackson Park, and we're talking about the Obama Library, uh, there's always some type of organized opposition. There's Friends of the Parks, there's legal action. Um, the Lollapalooza deal was struck at seemingly a different time in the city, different leadership, a different city council. Uh, is there any possibility that uh, you could see more organized community opposition to a Lollapalooza extension? Doubtful. Uh, you're right. There's always going to be some uh, some people who don't object, but unless they change the nature of the event, for instance, if they expanded the footprint downtown or if they added additional days. But I think the neighborhood has pretty much gotten used to this and knows what knows what's coming. On the other hand, uh, NASCAR is a little bit different. It's not only new, but it, it has a bigger footprint. It, uh, for instance, would take over a would close part of Michigan Avenue, would close part of Lakeshore Drive, which Lala doesn't do. Uh, uh, but you're right that uh, I think in your, your your premise here is is that the neighborhood is kind of used to this uh, to Lala, and uh, I think unless they dramatically change it, uh, uh, they're going to stay. Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, Apple beats the street despite slowing growth. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Apple's quarterly report has it topping Wall Street expectations for sales and profits, but showing some slowing growth. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management Base in Orlando. Find him online, GaryK.com. Gary, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what are some of the highlights of the uh, Apple second quarter report? It sounds like a lot of their uh, supply chain issues seem to have been ironed out. Uh, hopefully. Well, look, the most important point for investors is the stock's up about $5 today, which is about $80 billion in market cap. Uh, but looking forward, I'm going to give you out four numbers. Uh, 29, 11, 9, and 2. That's their sales growth year over year over the last four quarters. A major deceleration and earnings were down year over year. Not exactly a growth stock at this juncture. Uh, why would the stock go higher? It is the stock. And with the market turning around and heading higher right now, this is where uh, average investors as well as the big funds plunge into as the safe, great company to be in. But eventually, if they don't grow their business stronger than they are right now it's going to hit a wall somewhere and just stop dead in its tracks great company but you got to grow earnings and sales to have a stock continue to go higher uh infinitum is that a function of inflation i'm, I'm sure it probably is or is it a function of the fact that uh, a lot of people bought uh, iphones and ipads and macs during the uh, pandemic shutdown years and have no real need to get a new one at least until next year or maybe the year after well you just nailed it uh, it was cannibalized from uh, covid same thing for the pc business uh, so, yes, most definitely that is what's going on. Uh, but also, I call it the law of large numbers. They do $400 billion in sales. It's much tougher to grow on a percentage basis when you have $400 billion in sales versus when you had $40 billion in sales. And that's why growth will not be as strong going forward, where I think it'll be an average stock. But leave no doubt, this second with the market turning, 
Uh, it's back in love for right now. I would not be surprised if it goes back to the old highs, which was about 182. And what is your recommendation for Apple stock? Uh, if you own it, keep it. I, I'm, I'm not a, a buyer here, though I, I do think it goes higher uh, right now because the market has turned, and it is the market stock. It is the number one important stock in the market. Every dollar it moves is $16 billion in market cap. That's like a big S&P company. That's how huge this company is. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Gary Kulpbaum, the president of Kulpbaum Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. You can find him online at GaryK.com. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, turning a family farm into an award-winning winery. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio. WBBM flooding in Kentucky leaves at least 15 people dead. There's concern that number could go higher. This is Bernie Tafoya. Chicago police exchange gunshots with a suspect on the northwest side. It's been a long, tough road through the pandemic for restaurants. We'll get an update on how the industry is doing in Chicago. WBBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 164 points. NASDAQ is up 158. The S&P 500 is up 41. AccuWeather says pleasant with sunshine, patchy clouds, a high today near 80. 77 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, the death toll from floods in eastern Kentucky now stands at 16. That's according to Governor Andy Bashir, who says efforts to locate and help those still trapped continue. We are still in the search and rescue mode, and at least in some areas, The water is not going to crest until uh, tomorrow. The governor says he expects the number of dead to double. Chicago police were shot at and then fired back on the northwest side overnight. It happened in the 5200 block of North Nagel, roughly Nagel and Higgins. Around 3 in the morning, police say officers saw a traffic crash and went to offer aid. But as they did, someone from the crashed vehicle started firing shots at them. One officer returned fire. No officers or suspects were wounded. Police say the two people ran from the vehicle but were soon caught. Bernie Tafoya, 105.9 WBBM. The Noon Business Hour continues at 12.32, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in plus territory today. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, Smart Portfolios, based in San Diego. The website, macrotides.com. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, The market's been doing a very good job of shrugging off a lot of data points this week. I mean, yesterday was the GDP report. Uh, Today, it's a, a new report on inflation that once again, uh, uh, we've seen a year-over-year increase that hasn't been this high since the early 1980s. Uh, the market keeps chugging on. What were, what's, uh, what's moving the market today? Well, the same thing that moved it on Wednesday, uh, Rob, and that is the belief that uh, Chair Powell's comments indicate a pivot by the Federal Reserve 
in terms of how aggressive they will be in coming months. The Fed funds futures uh, back in mid-July uh, priced the Fed funds rate over the next six months or so at uh, 370, and now they're at about three and a quarter. So that really, I think, is the driving move that started uh, on Wednesday as Chair Powell talked. And that's why, as you noted, the market is ignoring other data points that may or may not agree with uh, that interpretation, but that's what's happening. And yet, uh, despite all of the uh, forward-thinking optimism in the here and now, inflation is still a persistent problem, and uh, there's no real way of knowing, I mean, outside of just uh, previous history, that, uh, that this inflation will be wrung out of the economy anytime soon. You're 100% right, and I think uh, the speeches that we're likely to hear over the next three to four weeks, Rob, from FOMC governors and presidents, is going to continue to harp on the message that inflation's job number one, we're going to bring it down, we're going to tighten monetary policy in order to accomplish that, even if it means uh, putting the economy at risk of a recession. So I think we're going to see some cold water uh, dumped on the optimism we're seeing, Plus, the S&P is coming up near what I think is very significant resistance between 4,150 and 4,200. So my expectation, Rob, is a little bit more strength, but I think we're going to see a pullback that could bring the S&P back down to 3,900 by the end of August. If you want to uh, see in real time how the fight against inflation is going, what are the data points are you looking at? Are you looking at gas prices, which have gone down substantially over the past month? Are you yep. looking at rents, uh, which are still very high and driving uh, personal you know, personal expenditures for a lot of people? Uh, if, if you see softening in the housing market or softening in rents or a substantial reduction in gas, prices, does that lead a lot of kind of inflation followers to believe that that corner has been turned? Uh, great question. A lot of people have already come to that conclusion, Rob, because of the decline we've seen in commodity prices since their peak in early June. I recently went through a charts of uh, a number of commodity prices, including oil. And what it to me shows is that you had a breakout in last year. And a lot of these commodity prices, Rob, have come back to that level of the breakout. So, yeah, that's going to help inflation in months coming forward. But I think the conclusion that, okay, inflation has peaked and we don't have to worry about it, just look at commodity prices, is premature. And I think you brought up a great point. And then uh, when inflation is kind of wrung out of the economy, what type of uh, economic activity uh, can we expect? Because we're talking about uh, numbers we have not seen since January of 1982, but it sounds like the decade-long tussle with inflation, looking back through history, ended sometime in 1983, and then the economy took off like a rocket. Can we right. expect something similar to what happened nearly 40 years ago? I think it's going to take a while, Rob, for that to play out because inflation, I think, is going to prove to be more sticky, as you noted, the in data that came out this morning. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, I think the economy is going to show more resilience than a lot of people realize, and it's going to necessitate the Fed to continue to raise rates, not at the 0.75 clip, but over time, I think the economy is going into recession. In the, since 1947, 14 tightening cycles, only three times was a soft landing achieved. So that's 21%. And as you noted, we're facing inflation levels at 40-year high. So the probability of a recession, I think, is going up uh, you know, over the next 6 to 12 months. I think it's a next-year event, but I think we are going to go into a, a recession.
Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with Smart Portfolios in San Diego. The website, macrotides.com. Thanks for joining us. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're focusing on a unique winery in Wisconsin with an interesting backstory. Let's welcome in Sean Lepasek, who is the owner of Rockin' Wool Winery in Poinette, Wisconsin, 20 miles north of Madison. Madison, the website rockandwoolwinery.com. Sean, thanks for joining us today. Now, you have you have an interesting story here. Um, you are from Wisconsin. Your wife is from the Chicago area. And normally when that happens, there's, there's the typical, you know, what they do is is there's, there's a Packers fan, there's a Bears fan, and there's a little <laughs> bit of tension there, of course. And that's basically it. Uh, you've taken this to an entirely different level in uh, putting down roots in Wisconsin and starting a brand new business. You know, how did you get to this sheep farm? Okay, well, my, my parents... Um bought the farm in the 80s and raised sheep. And, and thanks for having me today. Um, and I've always loved wine, and uh, it's a rocky soil, so good drainage. So I've always kind of wanted to plant grapes and see what we could do. And uh, you do have experience as a sommelier. Now, did you work at a restaurant? Uh, what brought you into that line of work? I, I ended up working up in, uh, in Chicago for a long time, a lot of restaurants. And uh, some of the owners would lend me out to other restaurants. They seemed to like my, my taste in wines and I'd help write up uh, the descriptors for the wines or tell uh, owners what, what wines I thought would go great with their menus. Uh, so basic things like that. Just always a, a real love and passion for wine. Now, did you, you studied uh, grape-growing methods and winemaking techniques uh, as you were uh, working your way up to, uh, to starting the winery yourself. Uh, when you undertake that process, is there a place that you can go? I mean, can you go off to uh, the Sonoma Valley or off to France? I mean, is there, is there a place where a, a budding winemaker goes to learn the craft? Well, there are. There are a lot of different programs where young people can do that, but I, I started this as an old man already. Uh, I was already in my 40s, so for me, I had to do a lot of book reading, uh, self-taught, and I made a lot of bad wine. You learn a lot when you make things that are bad. Um, so for me, I, I had to self-teach myself as I was commuting from Chicago to Wisconsin twice a week uh, to like uh, uh, convert our barn and to get the vines growing. The vines have to grow five years before you can even harvest the fruit from them. So I had a lot of time to study. Now, this farm had been in your family uh, since the 1980s. And even as this was a working sheep farm, uh, did you just look over the land and say, you know, one day this is going to be a winery? <laughs> um, I, I looked at it and I thought one day we'd grow grapes. Uh, rocky soil, grape for drainage on the same uh, uh, latitude as Alsace, which makes some of the best uh, um, dry whites in the world. I did not foresee it becoming this large um, or, or this successful. I, I thought I'd be coming up here and selling a case of wine or two each Saturday. But um, wineries have a way of getting, a, getting away from you, and you, you invest all your money and time, so you got, you got to go with them. you got you got to go big. The conversion process uh, from the sheep farm to the winery began in 2011. Uh, the winery won the Best Madison Area Winery in the Madison People's Choice Awards in 2021. Uh, that was a decade-long process. Uh, but during those 10 years, like, was there a point, when did you say to yourself, I think we've made it? Was it a particular customer? Was it being served in a particular restaurant? What was your moment where you thought, hey, we got something here? Um, that's a great question. I guess for me, it was when, um, people started calling us different stores in the local area would call us and say, Hey, I have to get your wine in my store. I've got people yelling at me that I can't buy it here. That's when I thought, you know what? People are really starting to appreciate what we do. And it was a pretty amazing feeling. 
And then uh, the most important question, Sean, and that is, uh, are, are, are these sheep or some sheep still uh, lurking the grounds? There are no sheep, but there are five goats. Um, the goats are a lot more friendly to feed. So no sheep, but five goats, and there's a feeder, and you can feed the goats. Sean Lepasek, owner of the Rock and Wool Winery in Poinette, Wisconsin, uh, just north of Madison. The website, rockandwoolwinery.com. Sean, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still to come, the latest on the state of the restaurant industry in Chicago. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Restaurants continue the long, challenging rebound from the pandemic. Let's check in with Frank Ruffalo, the managing partner of Franco's Restaurant Group based in Chicago. Frank, thanks for joining us today. Uh, A lot of Chicagoans, when they're uh, walking down the downtown sidewalks, especially during uh, times like Lollapalooza, they may grumble under their breath at all of the uh, tourists who may be uh, blocking their way or walking slowly or uh, taking pictures of big buildings. How do you react when you see all those tourists walking down the street? What's going through your mind? You know, I I view that as potential customers coming in and they're going to fill up the, the seats in our restaurants. Um, our one location by McCormick Place called Il Culicino does really well when conventions and, and big operations are in town, you know, Taste of Chicago, Lollapalooza. Uh, what we're seeing is if you had a convention that started on a Tuesday or Wednesday, um, instead of coming in the day before, these people are coming in two, three days before. They're bringing their family. They're staying around. So we enjoy it. The, uh, the Every now and then when we talk to uh, you and other restaurant owners in the Chicago area, the last uh, year and a half or so since vaccines uh, really became a, a big part of the uh, COVID-19 recovery, uh, we would ask you how the restaurant industry is doing. And uh, you would say yes, but there was always a qualifier. And then, of course, uh, just after the Omicron uh, surge in December and January, a lot of places just simply shut down or open for a couple of days out of the week. How would you sure. gauge the restaurant industry at this point in time? You know, I think the demand is there. um, And I think the only issue we're seeing now is still staffing is a a little tricky. um, And then our cost of goods is just skyrocketing. That's really never stopped since this whole pandemic started. And I I don't see an end in sight in that anytime soon. As far as uh, supply inflation is going, what are some of the big, uh, the the, the items that uh, have gone up the most in price in the past year and a half? Honestly, I wouldn't even stick with one item. We're seeing 70 to 80 percent of our items are going up. And a big part of that is, you know, suppliers are cutting down on product lines. Um, so you're not going to have the options. You know, before we used to have four or five different choices um, to get, you know, one brand. Now you have to take whatever they could get. Juices you can't get. Cranberry juice, orange juice, anything in cans. There's so many minuscule little things that I never had to think about when doing orders that now you have to take in a, into effect. And then uh, as, as, uh, as, as restaurants have to pay more to get their food, uh, menu prices are going up. But have you discovered that uh, customers are still willing to pay them? You know, we are. I think people are questioning it. Um, a big thing that people have to remember is we're not doing this to, to pay the profit on it. and We're not doing it to put more money in our accounts. We're doing that to stay afloat. We're doing that to still be able to pay our employees, still be able to make sure we're providing the, the quality ingredients that, that we always serve. So that is really survival at this point. It's not us making a bigger margin than we used to. Um, we're doing that to stay relevant, to make sure we can guarantee um, the product that you guys have come to expect. And then lastly, what about 
about the relationship between customers and employees because uh, six or seven months ago we were talking about how it was up to the host or hostess to uh, enforce uh, vaccine card mandates or mask mandates. Both of those things are are gone. Uh, does that mean we have a more harmonious relationship between uh, the diners and the people who work in the restaurant? No, I mean, I think I would ask, please be patient so with your staff. Most restaurants are still extremely short staffed. Um, you know, they're operating on a staff that they never thought they could have before. So please be patient with your customers, be patient with your employees, be patient with anyone you could, because, you know, they might be working six or seven days straight, especially if it's a holiday weekend and something big is going on. You know, we're trying to serve you as best as we can. Frank Ruffalo, managing partner of Franco's Restaurant Group in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.